Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So it's 9pm in London after day 12 of the French Open. I'm here, Matt's here, David's here. We're all in the same city. We're separated by increasingly small distances, but separated still. Uh, That will change next week, folks. But we'll talk about next week when it happens, because now I feel like I need to check with you both that we're we're all in a fit state to record this podcast, because I can confidently say that an hour ago I wasn't in a fit state Mm. to do podcasting after three hours and 18 minutes plus the emotional aftermath of Krajikova against Zachary. I've done some regrouping. Uh, I've watched some animal videos on the internet. I'm feeling (laughs) just about emotionally stable enough to record this podcast. How about you, David? Well, I'm all right, Catherine, because I'm kind of used to it with Barbara Krajikova now. <laughs> she and I have got history in terms of her talking and me getting upset. Um, but this was another level, I have to say. It was an incredibly emotional last hour of the match on both sides of the net. I found myself really moved by both of those players today for different reasons. And Oh, that was one of the best sets I've seen in a long, long time. It just had everything. And uh, I won't forget it. I won't forget it at all. Um, just, And I, I, th- I think those two players probably won themselves a hell of a lot of fans, people that probably didn't even know they were when they started watching. They'll, it's one of those sets of tennis. Yeah, the exchange between... Sue Barker and Andy Murray after the 2013 Wimbledon final came to mind when Sue Barker said to him, do you realise what you've put us all through, that final game? And he said, well, imagine playing it. And that's kind of how I felt. I was extremely stressed in those last stages of, of that match because everything was on the line for both players and you could feel it and see it, how much it meant. And then I just thought, well... I'm sat here on the sofa. I'm fine. But these two are the ones going through it. And goodness, goodness, it was stressful. But as you said, that set, that match really will live, will live long in the memory. I think that was, that, that was a real classic. 
Yeah, I, I think it was one of the most epic Grand Slam semi-finals that I've seen in terms of drama, not in terms of quality. It really went in and out in terms mm. of quality. The 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 good thing about the quality was that it was it was there when you most wanted it in the most epic and dramatic moments. Somebody raised their game generally, rather than somebody lowering their game um, to to lose the point. The points were generally the big points were generally won rather than lost. But in terms of drama and everything that that Grand Slam semi-final quarter you could say quarter-final matches are about which is stakes which is yeah it 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 was it was as as good as I can remember off the top of my head if that were if that were Serena and Venus Williams or um Naomi Osaka and Venus Williams or give me some other rivals, you know, Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova, it would be on all the back pages, it would be being described as one for the ages, I think. When the match point that incident happened with the ball being out but not being out and uproar over Hawkeye but not Hawkeye, um, I I felt like, okay, this match officially has everything now. Um, yeah, it's sticking a stick a fork in it. It's done. Because mm. it, it's quite interesting. Because the first set, our WhatsApp group was very quiet for quite a while. Now, I think there were a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one of them was I was enjoying the match. For, I was kind of half watching it because I was I was working at the time, but I I think I was enjoying it because I loved the contrast in stars between the two, and that remained throughout the three hours and twenty minutes that that it was going on. The the sort of the violent hitting of Zachary, um, all fidgets and energy, and the languid timing of the ball and point construction, the imaginative point construction of Krachikova, I, I think it's a lovely combination. And actually, when I said that, you said, yeah, but the quality's not very good. And I, and I thought, I was, I was a that bit, sounds a bit... I was a bit distracted at the time. All right, we'll get on to that. I said, I, I was a bit... No, but I do, I was, I do stand by that. I, do. I, I, I was thinking, is that fair? And then I went and looked at the stats, and actually there were way more unforced errors than there were winners in the columns. And that happened throughout the first two sets they were, and they were taking it in, turn in, the in turns to lose their backhands weren't they mm-hmm. mm. and actually Krejcikova's backhand I think of as you know when she needs it it's there and I think that is still true because it was very helpful for her in the final stages but the fact it was helpful for her in the final stages was remarkable because it had broken down throughout the match. Zachary was targeting it, had elicited a lot of unforced errors from it. And yet when she needed it, she still managed to find it. But um, yeah, I mean, go back to that first set. Zachary started brilliantly, picked up right where she left off against Sviontek. And I had some concerns that picking up just 24 hours later after that big emotional high of beating Sviontek would be difficult. But she managed it. But what she never got was the double break. She had many chances in that first set to get it, but couldn't get it. And as you said, David, this fascinating contrast, not only in styles, but in demeanours. Zachary is so energetic outwardly and so pumped for everything. 
Nadal-like mm. almost in the way she carries herself. I, I mean, I love watching her when she's like that. I, I absolutely can't get enough of it. And yet I also love Krichikova's much calmer sort of step-by-step approach to the match. And those two sort of in tandem with, with one another did make for a fascinating contest. Mm. Yeah. You're going to have to take over a bit, David, because set two is where it gets a bit patchy for me and Matt. <laughs> right, well, explain to me why you then went very quiet for the next hour and I was getting, and I, and I had one message saying, I hope you're watching this, David. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Explain what happened with you two. Well, Bruce Springsteen has, has announced a, 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 the revival of his much-acclaimed Springsteen on Broadway show, this summer, which will coincide with the US Open, which we very likely won't be attending. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 good to have plans, isn't it? <laughs> um, so so we we decided to embark on what we thought was the the futile task of attempting to get tickets. It, we had enlisted a, a team of helpers. Uh, Matt uh, and Sarah, who were uh, a friend of and part of the podcast team, had five devices on the go between them. I had two. Uh, my mum had one. She she was very confused by all the instructions I sent her, but she, she diligently followed them. And so between the hours of 5pm uh, and I can tell you it was exactly 5.42pm, uh, we were all watching blue bar inch agonizingly slowly <laughs> across our screens and just like with the predictions today i won the race and the privilege yes. of spending many hundreds of dollars on two tickets uh, to a to a concert that will almost certainly not be able to attend but we're very <laughs> excited about it in a country well, we're not allowed to go to <laughs> our attitude david is you've got to be in it to win it yeah, well, I can tell you you missed 42 wonderful minutes of tennis. And uh, and yes, I can tell you about them. <laughs> um, I mean, the, 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 no, I, I had to make notes. I had to actually make notes in this match. So much was happening. And that really is not my style at all. But I mean, it, I, it, was, it was just event after event. And I mean, I thought Zachary was going to take over when she leveled up at once at all. I thought she's she's on to something here. And she did take over and she went five three up, didn't she, in that third set and she had match point. But I've written here I've, I'll tell you what I wrote. I've written utterly insane point construction from Krichikova to break back. Her imagination and ability to execute what she has in mind is mind-blowing. Moon balls that nearly lobbed Zachary off the bounce. Oh, I, Did you see that? I loved the moon balling. I, I mean, loved it. It's so rare these days that you find a player who will play moon balls in an attacking way like that. Uh, designed to disrupt not because she's losing the timing or anything like that, because she thinks it's a proper tactic. And it took me back to a match I once saw in 1998. I was in Umag, Croatia, and the favoured player in the match I was watching was Carol Kachera, and he was facing Magnus Norman. That's and Norman, the most 90s matchup there's ever been. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, Magnus Norman going toe-to-toe with Kachera, could not stay with him. He, hadn't, he just couldn't get near him. And mid-match, 
he just changed his tactics completely and all he did was hit moon balls. That's it for the rest of the match. And Kachera started to miss and continued to miss until he lost. Well, I, well, I can tell you that um, this is a, a, a second a second hand story. But uh, Daniela Hanchikova was telling me during Madrid um, we were we were watching a Petra Kvitova match, and of course, Kvitova. Um, has had great success in Madrid in the past. I think she's a three-time champion, isn't she? Um, and I, I was saying, didn't you? I said, didn't you play um, Kvitova in Madrid? She said, she said, yeah, I, I, I beat her in Madrid, unbelievably. She said she lost the first set six-one, and she was just getting absolutely crunched. And her co- coach came on court. She said, oh, I'll go for on-court coaching because you know, got nothing else to try. And she just sort of moaned at him. And said, uh, "Well, I've just got no chance. She's just so much better than me." And um, and he said, "Go for the old moon balling." And um, it, it it went very well for her, I believe. Mm. Well, I mean, the, the, these moon balls, like I say, one of them bounced and nearly went out of reach <laughs> of Zachary because it bounced over her head, and she just about got it back. And then suddenly you've got this ridiculous angle that Krachikov has hit as a as a, a backup, and you could see how she was setting her up. She was there were like one two combinations. Such a clever match player. Mm. And and there were times deep in that third set where I really thought Krachikova was flagging physically. She mm. she looked tired to me, and there was. There were a couple of forehands she hit one after the other, which sort of barely made the net in one game. And I was reminded that she's, you know, she's playing doubles here as well. She's she's played a lot of tennis these these two weeks. And I just thought, how is she going to win this match physically against Zachary, who is going so strong seemingly down the other end? And yet she's deceptive in that way because it, it it's like she saves her energy for the you know, for when she really needs it. And she's got a lot more in reserve than I think it appears. And down that final stretch, she found her best level again. I mean, the swinging backhand volley to save Zachary's match point was one of the gutsiest shots I can remember. And then to keep creating match points after Zachary... Zachary did what she did against Pagula back in Miami on a few of those match points, just going for it and yeah. hitting the lines. And she's it one of the most off. exciting players in the world when she's match point mm. down. One of the most dangerous players totally. on the planet from match point down. Totally. And for Krejcikova to absorb all that and not get completely flustered by it and think, well, how do I finish this off? Is It's just, it's just a mental feat. I saw that... Lindsay Davenport apparently called her one of the mentally toughest players she's ever seen. Mm. Yeah, she's she's deceptive in lots of ways. Actually, mm. I think just on the the moonballing. By the way, I've just uh, been in Maria Sakkari's press conference, and she kept on mentioning how difficult she found it to to generate that pace consistently. She she kept mentioning she was asked by uh, Courtney Nguyen of the um, of the WTA Insider what is so difficult about. Barbora Krachikova's game and she said she kept making me generate my own pace and you know you can do it once or twice but as a consistent tactic it's exhausting and I think it 
it frazzled her brain a little bit, actually having to do that. And you're right, David, you occasionally see, or more than occasionally on, on clay, see players throw in a novelty moon ball or two, don't you? You know, bit of fun, maybe a bit of a troll, whatever, or, or a defensive moon ball here and there. But a consistent, concerted tactic of aggression you, you don't see that or you certainly don't see that anymore and it was yeah it was a joy it was really fascinating today yeah no it, it was and um and yet you kept getting the drama of the match points and and then what was it that actually happened on that overruled um moment because that was that Krachikova had her arms in the air, didn't she? She thought she'd won. And and that, that's what gets me is the fact that she thought she'd won. She thought the forearm was out. And then the umpire comes down, says it's caught the line. I think Hawkeye said it was out. That, but they only used that on the TV replay, which I don't really think they should have it's that available for TV Totally, for TV totally agree. There and, are far too many people in uproar at the moment about and, and saying definitively... I think uh, Krajikov has been told in, in press afterwards, well, it was out. You were right. You did win the match twice. And that is simply not the case. It might have mm. been out. The umpire might have read it wrong or got the wrong mark. It's possible. Um, but to say that definitively is just not a place we're in with Hawkeye on clay at the moment. We're not in it anywhere with Hawkeye. Hawkeye has a margin of error. It, it is not a simple coverall solution for for clay. It was a very, it was a very um, goal celebration with VAR situation, <laughs> wasn't it? And we have been told, though, by people who work in TV, that they believe it works and that it is the same accuracy as it is on a hard court there may be the margin for error thing but that it's the same yeah I but the margin for error if... is a problem when you've got the visual evidence in front of you so you're going to you're going to go off a computer that has a margin for error when you can see with your very own eyes that but, uh, it's sometimes that it's not they right. choose the wrong mark and sometimes the mark is something players argue over as well mm. um so i just feel that you either use it and you show it on TV or you don't use it and you don't show it on TV because yeah. it's not fair. I think it's basically irresponsible to show it on TV if it's not being used in the match. Mm. And, yeah. and, and I believe, given that it's not used in the tournament, you don't have all the proper cameras in place and I don't mm-hmm. think it's the same Hawkeye that would be used if it was in place in the tournament. So I think it's even less accurate than it is mm. and, and it, normally. And Zachary was asked about it in press afterwards. She said it was put to her, are you in favour of Hawkeye on clay? And she said, if it's, if it's accurate, then yeah, great. If it's all tested and it's perfectly accurate, of course, who wouldn't want that? But she said, my understanding at the moment is that it's not accurate. And I think that she is what, one of the problems is, one of the problems is there isn't a definitive on that. We're all just saying we've kind of heard that it's not accurate, and then other people are saying that that are in inside the system more. Actually, it is accurate. It's just not getting passed. Nobody knows uh, definitively. It hasn't been adjudicated on, other than the fact that it's not being used, and that's very frustrating. I wish they would just sort sort out a standard for this and decide 
I it's never going to be used on clay because at the moment we've got this this combination as well because some tournaments have used the other one um the the replay one where you see it visually yeah, the fox Mid- fox ten madrid one. used that didn't they um, I, and i, I didn't mind it problem. but i seem to be alone in that everybody else i just think it's a problem it. surely it's a problem not to have a standard that that doesn't feel right to me they've got to have it either, or they've not got to have it yeah anyway, i mean absolutely. it was dramatic and and I, again i feel like both players deserve enormous credit the way they came off that and still duked it out for another few minutes. And I mean, I felt so, I feel so sorry for Sakaria. She couldn't have done any more. She did, did not choke. She went for it. And yet I feel really uplifted and overwhelmed by what Krishikova did. Catherine, I know you went to Sakaria's press conference. What was her demeanour like in that? Well, she she dis, would probably disagree a little bit with what you said that it, David. I mean, I would I would say I would have said the same to her that you didn't do anything wrong. It, there was just a force at work with Barbara Krachikova that not even you could stop today. But um, she said she allowed herself to think about the fact that she was a point away. Oh, wow. And that was her mistake. She said it was just inexperience and naivety. And I got I got the impression she she was obviously in a, a lot of pain about it. She spoke brilliantly, but, you know, she was hurting. There were, as is quite often the case when someone comes in off a defeat like that to a press conference, journalists really, you know, they obviously want to ask them about the loss and they, they want to hear that it, hurts because that's interesting um but they're also trying to throw a bone and be really sensitive to the situation often so you'll quite often get some really peppily framed messages uh, 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 questions about but it's been such a great tournament and aren't you proud and you know there are so aren't there so many positives that you can focus on and sometimes players really take that bait and they go yeah you're right thanks Thanks for fluffing my feathers. I really have had a great <laughs> tournament. Today was rubbish, but you're right. I am overall great. Uh, Maria Zachary was not in the mood for uh, reveling in the brilliance of her tournament so far. She went, yeah, I'm sh- there, there is lots to be proud of, but I don't really care about any of that right now. Um, <laughs> it all really, really hurts. And um, she's she spoke like she she knew this was something she had to experience so that she doesn't experience it next time, like a necessary Rubicon to cross, mm. a a hurdle to overcome. Um, the slight worry is that, the, is that this was a great opportunity. Mm, she you know, she the, knows the, that. She definitely knows that. Um, yeah, I think she will... Um, she will dissect in detail, and her her coach Tom Hill is um, he's notoriously forensic, isn't he? He said I saw an interview with him before the match where he said he was he had been waking up in in the middle of the night having epiphanies about um, return positions for the Sophia Kennan serve ahead of Zachary's match against Kennan. Um, so yeah, I I hope you know obviously they need to do some analysis, but equally. Can you can you point to a shot or a a moment or a a, a point 
where she should have done anything differently. I'm not. I'm not sure that I can. No. It just felt like there were forces at work. There are forces at work with Barbora Kuchikova and and she might tell she us. Special. She might she tell us really that something. it's. That I, I hope this isn't too too overwrought, but she would probably tell us that Ziana Novotna, wouldn't she? she? You know, she says she's with me. And she, she's inspired. She played no that, question about that it. wonderful tribute to her. Very understated, but she kind of almost took the mic at the end of her interview with Marion Bartley. A really nice interview. Bartley's really good at those on-court interviews, and they are not easy, particularly with all the translation involved. Particularly, particularly if you're translating to nobody, which has quite often been the case. Luckily, it wasn't today. Um, yeah, she, first thing she did was just say, can we have one more ovation, please, for these two players? Um, which was just the perfect way to start off that interview, just a recognition that this just wasn't any hard-fought semi-final. This was something extremely special, I think, that will be remembered for a long time. And then there was, you know, generally really nice in- interview where Kujikova gave some lovely quotes. She said, I've always wanted to play a match just like this, which was a lovely line. And then it, it, at the end, um, Marion Bartley pointed out that she's going for the singles-doubles-double, which uh, has only been done once before by, by Mary Pierce. Or no, it was last done by Mary Pierce, um, who, of course, um French woman representing France. Um, there was a lovely little twinkle in uh, in Krajikova's eyes. She definitely wants to do that double. Um, but then she she kind of took the mic and took the opportunity to to pay tribute to everybody in her team, Krajikova. And then finally, she looked to the heavens and said, "Andiana Novotna," and 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 she said, "I wouldn't I wouldn't be here without her." And her her lip trembled as she said it. And we all descended into floods of tears because um, it was it was quite a moment, wasn't it? Look, we know that story. Um, we've we've tried to tell it on the podcast, David. You've told it many times on the podcast, but just those just those few words from from Kuchikova just floored me. Mm. Yeah, well, she just reminds me so much of her. She, her body language is so similar and. And her manner and, and her play. Even her socks. <laughs> <laughs> She's got those 90s socks. She does. She's such a cool player. I love watching her. It's, it's, it's again, another amazing addition to the tour. Mm. Because she's, there's nobody else like her. Total one-off in, in the group that we have in tennis right now. It's only her fifth main draw of a Grand Slam that she's playing this week in singles. You know, she's a new injection, as you say, into an already brilliant tour brimming with talent. And yet she's also got some experience because she's won big tournaments in doubles. And I think she, I think the role she's played in that doubles team with Siniakova is the one with the cool head and, you know, ice in the veins and I think we're seeing that now in her singles game. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm completely won over by her as a as a person, a player, a story. I just think she's brilliant. Mm, and for me, potential recency bias here because we've just 
just we're still sort of vibrating with those three hours and 20 minutes of tennis aren't we but for me she goes into the final as favorite and that's not to to discount what Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova is doing she's her own brilliant story playing some some wonderful tennis she she won in two sets today over Tamara Zidanecek um and those were wonderful scenes and it was a glorious performance um almost nerveless actually which was absolutely not what I was expecting from from Pavlyuchenkova given how long she's waited for this moment and opportunity I thought it the, the desperation to grasp it I thought she might want it too much um because we we have seen that before um so I thought she dealt with the moment brilliantly but I am I'm such a sucker for just seeming like I, I I always say this I don't believe in fate and all of that but I am yet I am still such a sucker for these stories where it feels like fate is at play where where you could almost be made to believe or I could almost well she's made her own be made to she believe. is it's such a triumph what she's done this fortnight given her history I mean but I also like the way, I mean, I thought she gave, she gives really interesting interviews. They're totally different to Krachikova. They're not mm. sort of heart on the sleeve and just let you all in because this is how I'm feeling. With her, it's kind of self-deprecating. She's, she's a very interesting analyst of her own game as well. She's very honest in her own way. She was explaining, you know, I think she did an interview on Eurosport and Mats Valander said, you know, you look so relaxed out there. And he goes, she just said, oh, poker face. It's not real. You know, it's just a poker face. And, uh, and she, she's sarcastic about her own performance and her own manner and all that sort of thing. And, but cool. She's a cool woman, cool player. And, um, I, I agree with you though. I'd, I'd put critique of her favorite personally. They've never played before. Have they not? All these wow. first time meetings at the at the latter stages of this event, just extraordinary. She was asked, Pavlyuchenkova, what her fourteen year old self would tell her that she's made a Grand Slam final at twenty nine. And she said, Well, my fourteen year old self probably would have said, What took you so long? <laughs> well, she was junior world champion at fifteen. Was it she, she? She was, was just lapping a- up everything at junior she was level a, she was a phenomenal yeah yeah she she won so many matches as a junior and look even before this run she had had a very very good career you know seven grand slam quarterfinals 12 titles numerous big wins and moments against top 10 players but for her to decide that that isn't isn't enough and to improve as a tennis player and as a competitor, I think. I think she's dealing with these matches wonderfully because today against Zidansek was a perfect example. Zidansek was the player I was drawn to most in the match because she was the one with the more spectacular highs. She was hitting some unbelievable forehands, some really nice defensive work on the run, and it felt for a long time like she was the better player, certainly in the first set. And yet the way Pavlyuchenkova just managed it, just as a match, was, I think, a real improvement. I've never thought of Pavlyuchenkova as that sort of player, but it's something she's been doing brilliantly all tournament. Yeah, it was 
it was like she had watched uh, the the um, the Coco Goff match yesterday, mm. where Goff's forehand was targeted because Pavlyuchenkova was targeting the Zidanecek forehand, which is absolutely the the strong the strong most venomous wing of Zidanecek's, and it was yeah, it was this. Brilliant, brilliant tactic from somebody that we haven't previously necessarily thought of as a tactical player. It was, it was great. Mats Verlander was just brimming with joy and praise um, during both the interviews with the with the finalists today. He um, he stopped Krujicova at the end before she virtually left the building, um, or hologram Krujicova left the building. And he said, I just want to say you're the most wonderful player to watch. Um, and in a slightly different way, he'd said something similarly sort of heartfelt and lovely to, to Pavlyuchenkova earlier on. And it was just, I love seeing these these legends get just get so into it. And, you know, he, he probably didn't know that much about Krujicova before this fortnight, but a lot of the pundits didn't. Um, they, you know, they'd have thought doubles player, but... You know, that's okay. As long as they know a damn lot about her now, that's okay. Um, yeah, well, I think we we all felt like that a few months back mm. before she started to show what she's got. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Better late than never. And and I, I think I think people have been absolutely won over, everybody, by it. Mm. Yeah, I agree. So that'll be the women's final on Saturday. Anastasia Pavlichenkova against Barbora Krachikova. I ask just one thing of this final, and that is that Anastasia Pavlichenkova resurrect the leopard print outfit she wore for her Madrid semi-final a few weeks ago, which was inexplicably a f- flash in the pan because it was <laughs> the best outfit there's ever been. And she only wore it once, and she, maybe it's because she lost, but, you know... I. It is one of the great mysteries of tennis. And had there not been a lot of very, very important questions that people needed to ask Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova after her win today, I would have uh, posed that hard-hitting number at her. And she probably would have loved it. Hey, if she wins, I'll ask, do you regret not winning it in in the leopard print? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So that is on Saturday. We've got uh, a few minutes left to look ahead to, to tomorrow and edition number 58 of Rafael Nadal against Novak Djokovic. And of course, Stefano Tsitsipas against Alexander Zverev as well. And I, I wanted to take a few minutes to look ahead to it because, to look ahead in particular to Nadal against Djokovic, because Hannah, who's running our Twitter this week and at the Grand Slams this year, casually pointed out to us yesterday on our group chat that Rafael Nadal is two matches away from becoming the clubhouse greatest male tennis player in numbers. And we haven't talked about that. I haven't heard anybody else talking about that. And it needs mentioning. So we're addressing it now because that is extraordinary. And you compare that to the questions that Serena Williams gets about Margaret Court's record, which is as we've made the case many times, a far less valid record. It's valid, it's just a more nuanced record than Roger Federer's when you when you drill mm-hmm. down into it. And look, I know Serena Williams endorses the narrative, she wants 24, she's not shying away from it, etc., etc. But anyway, we should be talking about the fact that Rafael Nadal is two matches away from getting to 21. Why haven't we talked about it? Why is nobody talking about it? Yeah, well, I, I must admit it hadn't really occurred to me, um, which is ridiculous. I know. I think we talked about it during Australia. There was a moment where that suddenly became a possibility before he lost. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I, I still think the fact that he could draw level on the number of Grand Slam titles that Pete Sampras won in his entire career with just his French Open haul uh, of 14 is ridiculous. Uh, on on, a, on an epic scale, it, but yeah, him going ahead of Federer, finally, after a sixteen year career, 
would be some moment. I mean, obviously that doesn't mean that they will end up like that or that Djokovic won't come back and end up over, you know, but it's a big old deal. And it's also this match. There is so much on this match. It is 29-28, the head-to-head in mm. favor of Novak Djokovic. One match between them. And, and Djokovic... What, could he get to 19 if he wins this tournament? Is that right? He's on 18 right now. Mm-hmm. So he could go to 19. He'd be one behind Federer and Nadal with Wimbledon to come. I mean, I know he's got to win two matches, but gee, there's so much on this. It's, in, it's just amazing. And Novak Djokovic is also going for his second lap round all the slams. You know, none of them, Federer, Nadal and Djokovic, have won every slam twice. Nadal is missing the Australian Open, Djokovic and Federer are missing the French Open. I think this would, that, that would be a very big deal for Djokovic as well, something that Nadal and Federer had not done. He, um, he's also going for the calendar slam. He sure is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, just, on, just on why we've not been talking about it, I've, I've really wrestled with that. And I think, I think part of it is that Nadal doesn't want to talk about it. And I think any questions to Nadal are not going to yield any answers. You know, he he is not going to engage with that subject. And I think people have tried and he has distanced mm. himself from it. I think that's part of it. That's It's more Nadal's character. And I think people sort of talk about the record to reflect that character, perhaps. I think the fact it's not a historic record is a little bit of a difference. You know, it's it's potentially still a moving goalpost. You know, it would it, be incredibly significant if he gets to 21 and overtakes Federer. Of course it would. But it's not like that's the finish line because we don't know how long is left in this race. And I think another factor, and this is totally unfair, but people think Nadal winning Roland Garros is inevitable and bound to happen and therefore it doesn't quite have the sort of build-up that I think other slams have you know for a long time the Dalek Roland Garros people have penciled that one in you know the start of the year so I just think all of those things coming together mean that it hasn't been talked about so much but absolutely it it should be being talked about and it should be ramped up right now because this is this is happening potentially Mm. We will, assuming he wins tomorrow, which is absolutely so far from a given, but we will continue to ramp. That is our that is our pledge to you. Does anybody here think Djokovic will win? No, but that doesn't... The fact that I think we're all going to unanimously predict an Adal win will be... This is my issue with, with pole vaults. I think if you pole vaulted this, it would probably be... 80% Nadal, but that doesn't that doesn't mean he is whatever the equivalent of that in odds are. I'd say probably all most of those 80% would put it as 51-49, if that makes sense. Did you say, if I pole vaulted this? I pole vaulted this five minutes after Novak Djokovic <laughs> set up the semi-final. Mm. And we're not going to talk about mm. the results because they're irrelevant. <laughs> um, but yeah, I suspect, 16, I suspect 1600 all, votes, folks. Are we all going to say we think Nadal will win just? Not necessarily. I, I, I think, I mean, the, the fact that he thumped him in that final in October 
when I thought that would be close. In fact, I thought Djokovic would win. That's changed my view of possibilities. I, I kind of assumed that Novak Djokovic will make matches at least close against Nadal, but that that stops stopped me in my tracks. So um, I, I genuinely think there could be any result here, any scoreline here. I think... No, well, you can roll your eyes, but I mean, I think I, that's what I think. I think it's very yeah. easy to could, to could does not a prediction make, David? That's why I'm well, rolling I'm, my I, eyes. I, I will, of course, any result predi- could happen. I will, I will make my I'm prediction. I'm asking what you think will happen. Well, I think Nadal will win okay. in about four right. sets, but but I but I think it's perfectly valid to to point out the type of rivalry they've had and the, and the fact that Djokovic has also thumped Nadal, albeit on hard courts in the past. Um, Absolutely. So, that, that it, we're making the same point, David. We're all going to pick Nadal, but none of us feel confident about it. And I, and that's No, but why I'm not I, necessarily saying it will be close. It, it might not be close. Of course it might point. not be close. I could it see a scenario any, in which any it's number not, of things. So. I don't... I don't want to further complicate matters, but I feel quite confident that Nadal will win. That's not to say that it won't be a close match. Mm. I'm just quite confident about the result. Mm. Interesting. But I, but I do think it will be much closer than the October final. Djokovic will not allow himself to play that badly again. No, I agree. I agree. Um how what might happen in Zverev against Tsitsipas? I'm going with Stefanos Tsitsipas to win that. I think he's had the better of their rivalry generally, and I think he's ready. I think this is his time to reach a first Grand Slam final. He has looked brilliant to me all tournament. He's had some he's had some threats. You know, I know he was the big favourite in that bottom half, but he's he's had Isner, he's had Medvedev showing up on clay, and he's handled them impeccably. I think he's ready. I think he'll have too much game for Zverev. It's like he's been on he's been on total wipeout or something with people like throw. He's been on this like mm. travelator type thing with people <laughs> throwing things at him, and he's, he's just about navigated them all. It's been, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's ready. He's been very impressive because some of those... Obstacles have been significant, and uh, and and also added to the fact that he's just it's just been in kind of Nadal terms assumed that he will get to the final, mm. um, including by me. And actually, his his route ended up being a lot more rocky than I was expecting. And I also didn't expect, for instance, Zverev to be in this sort of form. He's looked very good. I still think Zverev has just not faced anything like what he's going to face in the semi-final. That's the difference. Mm. Um, it's kind of like how Medvedev was looking good against a certain kind of player. I, I think Tsitsipas takes him out as well. Um, mm. You know, I think it could be there could be a really close set at the start, maybe even two sets. But then I think Tsitsipas just accelerates away. I'm very impressed with like his mental approach mm. to these matches, and he's. Still in there, even if things go against him for a bit, he doesn't. He doesn't disintegrate, or at least he's not been doing in recent months. Mm. Uh, that is the first of the two semi-finals, so uh, that's a one fifty start UK time. 
uh, which means I think that TV want first ball hit at 2 p.m. Uh, It'd be late, couldn't it? Could end up and being then really Djokovic late. Nadal is a 4:30 UK start uh, on Simone Mathieu tomorrow. It's the women's double semi-finals, and it's Magdalenette and Bernarda Pera against Barbora Krutikova and Katerina Siniakova. And that is followed by Bethany Matek-Sands and Iga Svantec against Arena Camelia Begu and Nadia Podoroska, the semi-finalist in the singles from last year. So that's pretty extraordinary. Um, there's also boys' uh, uh, singles semi-finals tomorrow. And the reason I mention those is because all four of the semi-finalists are French. And that's the first time that that's happened in uh, in the juniors. So that's pretty extraordinary. Today, we had the mixed doubles final. And Joe Salisbury could not have looked more surprised to be the mixed doubles champion of Roland Garros alongside Desiree Kravchik. Uh, they beat Elena Vesnina and Aslan Karatsev in a champions tiebreak, a match tiebreak today, 10-5 in that tiebreak. I think... Winning that title is is an unexpected joy for those two. They why, why was he so surprised? Do you think because he didn't expect to win? I think. Mm. Yeah, it, that's interesting. First British win at Roland Garros for thirty nine years. Mm. Well, there's a good reason to be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Karatsev in the final. Of, yeah. <laughs> Really is with Vesnina. Imagine if someone had told you that at the start yeah. of the year. French Open mixed doubles <laughs> final will include Elena Vesnina and this guy Aslan Karatsev. <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean Vesnina hasn't played tennis for about eighteen months, has she? Because she's had two kids in the, in that period. Ridiculous. And now, um, um, we also had the men's doubles semi-finals today ooh. on court. Simon Mathieu. We know who the doubles. Finalists are in the men's, and it will be Alexander Bublik and Andre Golibev. Also a surprise, that one. Great, great quote from Bublik, who said that he's basically reached the doubles final as an accident. <laughs> he said, "He said normally I'd love to get on the grass and start in Stuttgart, but I'm still here playing doubles. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, they beat Pablo Andujar and Pedro Martinez. Uh, in three sets today, and Pierre Rugebert and Nicolas Mau, the wonderful, lovely fairy tale romance continues. I know they've won this title before, but you know there was before, and then there's after with with Herbert Mau. Mm. Um, they beat the second seeds Cabal and Farah today, six four in the third. The first two takes uh, sets were tiebreak sets, and Pierre Rugebert trying to serve out. That match at five four oh. in the third was was a, was an a, experience. It was an experience for everyone involved. Um, <laughs> three I think double three, faults. Yeah, three double faults in that game. Really, mm. he he used, I believe, in English. It was it was a transcript I read, but I think they only transcribed the English portion of the press conferences. He used the phrase "pain in the ass" to describe <laughs> trying to serve it out. <laughs> Why, why was everybody so into that at the end? Because people, I noticed on Twitter, I didn't get a chance the to crowd. see it. People were really into the, it. The, was the that, crowd. The I think crowd. Five, I think 5,000 are allowed in mm. every stadium at the moment. And that means that Simone Mathieu is, was basically it full. Was, it was rocking. 
it was packed. And and Abema, you take you with them. Mm. They, they, they make you feel, and, yeah, and they that's three, save you know, three match points. They take us with them, and we're English, so I can only imagine yeah. what they do to the French. Mm. Oh, yeah, it felt scenes. like a Davis Cup match. That it was really, yeah, it was really special. So uh, could be a really special final, actually, with accidental uh, Alexander Bublik. <laughs> That's a nickname that's happening. And the French pair. So, yeah, uh, that's what's coming up over the coming days at the French Open. Goodness me, what a day it's been today. Uh, three more of them to come. Uh, we've, got our, we've got our mascots. Zeus, we've had a good one. 55 points, wasn't it? 55 glorious points. There's well, not just one winner in that match, Barbora. There's there's three yeah. of us. There's me and Zeus to consider as well. Well, Rogue, you and me got sweet diddly squat. Mm. Yeah. So buck your ideas up. <laughs> but thanks for your support. <laughs> yes, Scouser Mouse and I got the correct winner, but got the wrong number of sets. And in this yeah, that game, that is zero points. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King. She's had a lovely day on my mum and dad's hammock. So she's living her best life. Uh, we have our lovely mascot, Phoebe. Uh, lovely Corgi. We love Phoebe. We have Chris Albert Lee, who's our executive producer. And Matt, our shout-outs today are for... They're for Joanna Mallon. Right, Joanna. Oh, hello. Is that relative of Andy Mallon? Who Could is be. somebody that gets in touch with us sometimes? Yes, mm. also a listener. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> this <laughs> is a maybe. D- she's living with me. Moment. Uh, <laughs> is Andy Mallon living with you, Joanna? Let us know. <laughs> Thank you both Thank for you your both. wonderful support. Next up, we have, and I think I might just do these two together. We've got David. Backer 943. And we've got Matt, backer 949. Right, Matt. And I promise it's not us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have they got surnames or not? No, just just tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Well, thank you both. You're both ledges. Yes. Thank you, David. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, this David. Thank you, this Matt your company thank you everyone involved in the podcast thank you for listening uh, it's been a pleasure we've got three more to come goodness me this uh, this french open's been been a thrill ride hasn't it i can only imagine what tomorrow has in store let's go and get some sleep we'll speak to you tomorrow Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.